As uh, we come this morning to celebrate the Lord's day, to celebrate the Lord's uh, worship, to celebrate um, the resurrection in worship, let's look to the Lord in prayer, and then we will talk a little bit more about what partnership is all about. Let's pray together. Father, what a wonderful privilege you have lavished upon our lives today. You have bought us and you have brought us together. You have called us out of the world and you have called us your sons and daughters. All because of your redemptive act, all because of what you did on our behalf. Lord, we could not save ourselves. We would never have been able to. And so you, have, you are our savior. And we recognize that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us the greatest privilege on this side of heaven. And that is to gather like this this morning to, to worship you and in anticipation of what will transpire in the future as we celebrate in your presence someday. Help us to enjoy this hour as we worship you in the word. We thank you. We thank you for this church. Thank you for the fellowship now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, let me encourage you to take them and turn with me uh, to the book of the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark. And while you're doing so, I, I trust that you guys have taken the, the time to fellowship with the different missionaries. Yesterday, uh, Kathleen and, and, and me, we, we really enjoy a, a wonderful brunch um, with... with uh, uh, Penny and her husband, uh, David, and then Pastor and his wife was there, and several others were there that we know from the fellowship here. And, uh, you know, I, I think I gained a couple of pounds there yesterday, uh, but that was really good, and uh, you can't go wrong when you feed, feed the missionaries. All right, we are eating machine, uh, and uh, if you don't believe that, just look at this stuff here. But thank you. I think you've, you've put together a well-executed plan there. But if you have your Bibles and you turn with me to the gospel, does this thing come up any? Just pull on it. There you go. Thank you. I'm, I'm half blind, you know. And uh, so I, I got to see that a little bit more. Thank you very much. Um, now we're talking about partnership or partnering partnering together. That's the, the whole gist of this weekend and the theme of the conference. And, and so I, I think it's, it's, it's wise for us to kind of wrap our head around uh, at least a, a definition of, of what, we're, what we want to experience in, our, in this relationship that we've cultivated one with another. And so uh, if you got a pen or a pencil or a lipstick or a cue stick or a chopstick or whatever you got that writes just, just, just write down, this is, this is the Andy Gear or not definition of partnership. Very simple, all right? It's two or more people coming together uh, to accomplish a common cause, all right? Two or more people coming together to accomplish a common cause. That's, in a nutshell, my definition of what partnership is. Of course, the common cause is the gospel. The common cause... Is the proclamation of Jesus Christ. The common cause is to reach the lost for Jesus. The common cause is to, is to step out by faith 
and, uh, and to share the gospel with those who, uh, who have heard or have never heard uh, and to bring them into, uh, into a relationship with the loving, living Savior, Jesus Christ, that they may become part and parcel of a church. Amen? And so now that I've got that definition out of the way, you can hold on to that. Now, look, look with me then at the Gospel of Mark, if you would. Um, the best, as I was told several weeks ago, uh, what the theme is, and if I would kind of wrap my head around all of this theme, you know, prayer is the secret. You go to prayer, you ask for wisdom, you ask for clarity, you ask for direction. And this is where the Lord has allowed me to land this morning that will help us to kind of understand this whole idea of partnering with us or partnership. And so in the Gospel of Mark, the second chapter, follow along in your Bibles. There's this amazing story. Some of you are probably familiar with the story. But I think it's worth revisiting if you've heard it before, because I think this, this story just kind of helps us to understand what partnering is all about. What's the purpose of it? What's the reason for it? Why do we do what we do? And so follow along in your Bibles as I read whatever translation you have. It's a good one, so follow along. It says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, and by the way, Capernaum became kind of like the hub of Jesus' ministry that he always comes back to, and then he goes back out. He says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So home becomes uh, very strategic there. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralytic man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Rightfully so. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or say, get up, take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth, I love that, to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Isn't that an amazing story? We have never seen anything like this. So as we, as we go through this, this text this morning, I mean, there, there's a ton of stuff here. 
that I can talk about. I mean, I can talk about, you know, the miracle itself. And Jesus did some 38 phenomenal miracles, maybe more because the Bible says, uh, you know, you've done so much that, that if you read the, the ending of the Gospel of John, that, you know, the books wouldn't be able to contain it. I mean, we, we could talk about the miracles, yes? There are some churches, that's all they want to talk about is miracles. Or we can talk about the Pharisees. Um, those group of intellectual guys who critique everything, you know, uh, and then they, they, they criticize everything, and then they comment about everything. Uh, and, and, you know, we can talk about them because every church got them as well. Or, you know, we can talk about Jesus himself. The God-man. The one who came down from heaven. We can talk about the fact that, that he was God in the flesh. And, and then, you know, talk all about what he did on the cross of Calvary. We could. Or I could. But I don't think I will. What I want to talk about this morning is partnering. Partnering. I want to talk about these four guys. These four dudes who, when you read the story, I mean, you really don't, don't pay a lot of attention to the four guys. Yes, you know, they, they showed up, they, they grabbed the, this guy on the mat, they, they bring him above, they dig a hole, they drop him down in front of Jesus. But most of the time, we focus on the miracle, yes? And what Jesus has done, rightfully so. Nothing wrong with that. We should, we must. But as we're talking about this theme of partnering with us or partnership and trying, trying to wrap our head around this whole idea of what does that really mean? We, gotta, we, we can't ignore these four guys. What is it that, that enters into these, these men that, that, that have gotten into them, that, that they would go to such an extent, that they, that, that they would behave the way they, they, they did? That they would execute a plan so perfectly. What goes into an individual like that? It makes them do that. And so that's where we want to kind of hunker down this morning. Talking about these four men who dug a hole in the roof. Who would do that? Would you do that? Would you go to an extent to climb up a building and hauled up a guy who cannot help himself and then make matters worse, the place is extremely crowded. And then to know that, that, that God was in the midst and you're going to disrupt all the stuff that's going on there because when you dig a hole, stuff does fall down. But what has gotten into these guys? What is it that moved them to such an extent? What is it that's grappled, that grabbed their heart and caused them to grab a friend and say, we're going to do whatever it takes to bring them, bring him in the presence of God? Yes? Because that's what it is. 
So, as we're talking about partnering, and if you want a title or something of that sort, uh, you can say who, who dug the hole in the wall in, in, the, in the roof. What are these guys like? Who would do it? Well, there, there are several observations I'd like to give you this morning as we kind of go through this text pertaining to these four men. As they partner together for one cause. Are you, here? Are you with me, church? These four men have partnered together for one cause only. And that is to bring an individual in the very presence of God that that individual will experience a transformation that will last for all eternity. What what were they like? What is it God wants us this morning, you and me, to take home and to live and to grow our life and grow this church? Well, here's some observations that I come up with. If you're taking notes, the first observation I'd like to suggest to you is that those who dig hole, so to speak, Those who would go to such an extent are people who first and foremost, they have a concern for others. Amen? They have a concern for others. They really do. Just think for me, with me for a second. These guys are showing us how it's done. You know, a lot of times you and I, we we want to help. We have concern for people. We think about it, but we never execute the concern. Yes? I know that. You go down the road, you see a guy at the, at the stop sign, he holds up the sign, he says, I don't have any food, I need clothes, blah, blah, blah. And, and you think about it. And you, ha- you, you know, in, in, in your... In, in your, in your life, in your conscience, you, you, you feel sorry. You have a little concern. There's, a, there's an apathy, uh, uh, sympathy there. But you don't get out of the car. You don't buy a bag of grocery. You don't show up back with the guy and, and bless him. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, again, I'm just saying that, listen, But here's four guys. They stepped out and do some, did something radical. Are you with me, church? This is radical gospel. This is radical witnessing. This is radical love. This is radical grace. This is radical mercy. This is radical compassion. These are four guys. Their hearts are so burdened to bring an individual that is so destitute that needs help. And no one else can help him. Save Jesus and Jesus alone. No one else could change his circumstance. No one else could change his situation. And what did they do? They were very concerned. So what does concerned people or individuals um, are willing to do? Let me help you out here, right? 
First of all, these are the ingredients of a, of a concerned individual or a concerned group of people or a concerned church or a partnering church. Here's what we do. We're willing to put others first. Yes? We're willing to put others first. So, Brother Andy, how do you know that? Well, they did that. But I want you to keep your finger in this context and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. I think there's a, there's a gentle reminder here um, from the life of Christ in the book of Philippians, the second chapter, Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. Give you a chance to find it. I could hear those pages turn. That's good. Tells me you don't have all this electronic stuff in your lap. You know, these days they got all these, these fancy gadgets. iPhone, iPad, iWatch, eyeglass, eyeballs. I don't know. You know. With all this fancy mechanism they're making these days. Uh, you know, uh, who knows? You know, you stuff, they're going to stick stuff in your eyes. And you don't have to, you know, you'll see it all right there. Isn't that frightening? What they call that, AI or BI or CI or my eye? Anyway, some kind of eye. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Don't miss verse 4. Here's what it says. Each of you, help me now. Come on, we could worship a little different this morning. Here we go. Each of you should... Look not only to your own interest. That sounds like selfishness to me. Uh, but also to the interest of others. Are you with me, church? You see that? You see, this is partnership at its best. This is what Jesus did. Paul then expands on that whole idea of verse 4. And then he, he takes the rest of the chapter to explain to us, at least till up to verse 11, and explain what, what it means to don't just look out for you, but look out for them. Look out for the interest of others also. You have a concern. But you're going to do something about what you see. Amen? And then he goes on and he elaborates for us. He says, this is an attitude problem. It's an attitude. He tells us here, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. Isn't that what God did for us? God was concerned for every single person in this auditorium today. As a matter of fact, God is concerned for every single person living on planet Earth today. And that ever lived as well. And that will come into the world as well. And because of his great concern for us, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, he's devised for us a plan of salvation. Yes? That any and every who would believe in Jesus, who would put their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, and come to him by faith, they would be saved 
They would be delivered. Their sins would be washed away as far as the east is from the west, buried in the depths of the deepest sea. It's the word picture. Experience a new life in Christ. That's what concerned people do. So who are these four guys? These are men. These are church people. These are Christians. These are individuals who are very concerned. And they're concerned. They're so concerned that they will put others first above themselves. Now, these guys, I am certain, based on the context, Jesus himself said, makes the comments about their faith. Yes? Jesus looks at these guys and says, wow, you guys got amazing faith. So he makes a comment about their faith. Listen. Listen. Their faith was at work. Yes? Their faith was at work. They knew Jesus. They've probably heard of Jesus before. They probably were followers of Jesus some time ago, though the context doesn't tell me that. But the fact that they would go to the extent and deep down in their heart, they know that the only way this friend of theirs would be delivered is that he must come into the presence of God. Now, if Jesus was showing up in this neck of the woods, yes, he's not coming with fancy guitars. He's not going to throw up a concert. But I guarantee you, most of you in this church, if not all of you in this church, would probably be right here with these guys. Yes? You want to be in the front, man. I tell my people all the time in South America, hey, the best seats are in front. You guys are in the back. I understand, I understand the back. I get the back. Don't worry about the back. I get the back. But the best seats are in the front. When the preacher preaches and he spits on you, you get double blessing. But just think about these four guys for a second. They, they, you know, they, they, could have, they could have said, man, listen, I got to see Jesus. You know, I, I believe in Jesus. You know, he's my man. They could have all pushed and shoved and become a part of that crowd. And they could have been hanging out here in the front seat. But they didn't do that now, did they? Did they? What did they do, church? What did they do? Because they were so concerned, they were willing to, to, to forsake all the, 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 you know, the, the, the front seat position, so to speak, and to go after a friend that is way, 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 way out there that needs help. That's partnership with it. So they were willing to put others first. They weren't just willing to put others first, but they were willing to, to give up. So, so this guy, 
can get up. All right? Are you, kind of a little bit of play on words here. Yes? Are you, are you with me? They were willing, ladies and gentlemen, friends, brothers, brethren, listen. They were willing this morning. These men, four of them. <coughs> excuse me. They were willing to give up. They give up their Saturday. Of course, this couldn't happen on a Saturday because it was the Sabbath. It would have been the Sabbath. The Jews would have had a, oh my goodness, they'd be having cows. Those, those, those guys in the text. Jesus would have only done this on the Sabbath. But they had to give up a whole day. Yes? Are you with me, church? They're making sacrifices. They're concerned, they're so concerned for this one individual that they're willing to, 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 to you know, to, to put him first and give him first place on their calendar, on their agenda. Now, I heard PR made the announcement that you guys got a golfing thing going. I'm not here to knock golf. I love to watch golf. I don't play golf. All right, I don't play golf. You guys don't support me enough to play golf. <laughs> and the truth shall set you free. <laughs> that simply means you're going to drop our support. But listen, PR, I love you, my friend, my brother. Take these dudes one Saturday and say, hey, listen, we're going to go pass our tracks downtown. All right? We're going to be passing our tracks. We, we, we're going to give up some of our personal sacrifice. You want to fill these pews? All right? It's old-fashioned, but you go door to door. They're going to chase you. They think you're Jehovah's Witness or some nutcase, but that's all right. All right? I'd rather be nutcase for Jesus any day. But you do it. And you do it because we're concerned. Amen? We do it because, listen, the world is dying and heading off to hell in a handbasket. And we, we who have the truth that will set people free, I challenge you. Let's partner together as groups of individuals and say, hey, listen, we're going to go out here on a Saturday or, or a Monday or whenever you've got the free time. Sacrifice some of that fishing trip and that golfing trip and that, that hunting trip and, uh, and whatever other trips you got. Well, you can come to Guyana or Albania or Tokyo. Because that's ministry trip. That's count, see? But listen, that's what these guys are. Amen? These were concerned individuals who didn't look at their own interest first, but they put others first. They give up so this man can get up. Yes? And then, I don't know how long you guys want me to preach. Well, we could pre I could preach, take a break. Uh, we can do lunch and come back. And that way you don't have to have an evening service. Do you have an evening service? Well, let's do one. <laughs> There's another, another piece of information you need to understand about these men. 
Not only were they willing to put others first, not only were they, were they willing to give up so others can get up, but they were willing to, to get involved so others can, can get invited in. They were willing to get involved so this guy can get invited in. Otherwise, he would never made it in. Yes? Yes? That's right. And so, so that's what it takes, church. Who are these guys who would, who would knock out a hole in the roof? I can't imagine they do it here. They can. They were very determined. They were very determined. They were propelled by the power of God. They were propelled by the love of Jesus Christ. They were propelled by the mercy of God. They were propelled by the grace of God. They were propelled by the forgiveness of God. They were propelled by God himself to do what they're doing. How much more us, church? We've got all the commodities they did. Perhaps even more. Got jackhammer. They didn't have any. And so this is what we discover. Let's go back to the text here. And so we, we see that in verses 1 through 4, that these four men, they were very concerned. And concern means that you put others first. Concern means that you give up so others can go up. And concern means that you get involved. You don't just talk about it. You don't just think about it. You put teeth in the game, put skin on it, and you do it, you do it. And you do something radical. Isn't this radical, Pastor? I mean, this, I mean where else? What other story in the Bible is as radical as this thing? I mean, we got a lot of miracles going on in, in the Gospels. But this one here, in my book, this one top them all. Because you got four dudes here. Four guys with such a passion for partnering together. And they knew deep down in the, in the crevices of their hearts that, listen, the, the, the only answer to this guy is Jesus. All right, quickly. Since it's 11.44. I mean, pastor, I, I kind of heard something yesterday. said that, uh, take all the time you want. I got a thumbs up in front. Let's move along. There's a second discovery or observation I'd like to give you this morning as we talk about partnering, as we talk about who puts a hole in the roof. Not only people who have a concern, but secondly, there are people who have a spirit of cooperation. Spirit of cooperation. Yes? Just imagine these four guys, they knew that Jesus is coming. They've heard about Jesus. They've experienced Jesus in their own life. They're, they're men of faith. The text tells me that. I don't have to second guess that. Out of the very lips of Jesus, he said, you guys got great faith. And so they, they've got this plan going. But suppose on the day that they were, they were going to go pick up their friend, 
You know, two of them call in because they got COVID. But I'm not going to beat that COVID horse. That's a whole different animal by itself. Just think what would happen with our fellow in the mat. What would happen? Jesus, context doesn't tell us how long he stayed in Capernaum. I mean, Jesus is always on the move. Today is in Capernaum, the next day is in Galilee, the next day is in Judea, the next day is in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, this, he's, he's busy. He came to do the Father's will. And she heard these four guys. Takes a team, doesn't it? Takes a group. Takes a spirit of cooperation. And I trust that as you make your plan for this church, and as you make your plan to, to, to grow this ministry, that all of us will work together to make one thing happen. Souls would be saved. Lives would be changed. Individuals will grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It took all four of them working together to make this miracle possible. Someone once said, it takes the dream work, makes the, the teamwork makes the dream work. Something like that. I think I got it. Something like that. And so it's, we're a team. We're a church. We're a body. We're a congregation. When we talk about partnership, there, there's this partnership going on where, where two or more people have come together in this mutual agreement to accomplish one goal. Here's four guys coming together in a mutual agreement to accomplish one goal, and that is to bring one soul to the very presence of God. And so it requires a spirit of cooperation. Working together, each one playing their part. Each one playing their part. I'm going to move along. There's a third truth I want you to discover here with me. And in verses 4 and 5, notice what it says. I want to read it. In verses 4 and 5. Since they could not get him to Jesus, notice that, that's their goal. The goal, church, is to get him to Jesus. What's the goal? Get him to Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what missions is all about. That's what church planting is all about. That's what evangelism is all about. That's what gospel preaching is all about. That's what the church is all about. Getting them to Jesus. To make true worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. But if they don't get to Jesus, they don't get salvation. They don't get to Jesus. They don't get redemption. They don't get to Jesus. They don't get regeneration. They don't get to Jesus. They don't get life. Because they're dead in their transgressions and sins. So thirdly, 
These here are these men. In verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their feet, he said to the paralytic, Your, your sins are forgiven. What is, it, what is it Jesus saw? Wake up. Wake up, church. That's a wake up call. Wake up now. What is it Jesus saw? Their faith. Their faith. You see, that's the, that's the engaging thing that's going on here with these four guys. These guys are, are all excited about their faith. Young people, listen. Be excited about your faith. Your walk with God. Your love for God. Your relationship with God. And what God is doing in your life. And what he will continue to do. Oh, young people, ditch the phone. And hang out with Jesus. Oh, I know that's not, that's not the preaching thing today. You know, that's, that, that's, you know, that amen was pretty weak. But it's the truth. We're so busy with everything else. So here are these four men. What's the third principle or observation? Is that these guys, they have a firm conviction. They have a firm conviction. They don't just have a concern for others. They don't just have a spirit of cooperation working together. But they have a firm conviction that Jesus is the answer. If you come to Guyana, and those of you who have been to Guyana, you have already know that all of our vehicles are labeled on the front windshield this big. Jesus is the answer. And I know some people say, well, what's the question? Well, the question is, if you die today, where are you going to spend eternity? That's the question. But Jesus is the answer. And that's what we see here with these men. They're living with such deep, firm conviction. Their faith is being seen by the Lord. Oh, church, brethren, listen. When Jesus looks at our life today, what kind of faith does he see? What quality of faith does he see? What degree of faith does he see in our lives? Does he see just saving faith, which is great, amen? It makes us worshipers. But Jesus doesn't just want worshipers, he wants workers. Yes? That's what the Great Commission is all about. That's the purpose of the church. It's to, 2 Timothy 2, is to constantly reproduce workers. And here are these four guys with a tremendous amount of conviction. They were living out their faith, church. Can I mash your foot a little bit? I had a good friend of mine once said, I'm mashing his foot. That means I'm stepping on his toes. Are you executing your faith? Are you, are, you, are you living your faith? Living your faith is this. It's to look, look for the hard stuff. 
Grab a guy that's on a mat. Climb up a roof. Dig a hole. Bust it open. Bring him down. That's living out your faith. That's living with conviction. It's radical. It's different, isn't it? That's what Jesus wants us to do and be and become. Here are these guys, they got this firm conviction. The firm conviction is that they knew deep down in their heart that Jesus is the answer. No one else. It's not religion. It's not materialism. It's Christ and Christ alone. Now, these guys, they could have said, hey, man, you know, yeah, we, we believe that. We believe that. But, but you, know, you know how heavy this dude is? He's been sitting on that mat for a long time. His legs may be tiny, but his upper body, his upper frame is 250 pounds. I mean, look at me. You know? And they could have come up with that excuse, yes? So the dude's too heavy. We can't do it. <laughs> you know, they, they, they could have said, um, ah, we're late. We're late, Pastor. Look at the crowd. So many people. So many people out here. You know, I don't, I don't think we stand a chance. How many times have you said that? They're not going to listen. I've spoken to them once or twice before, and they're not going to. Listen, don't give up like that. Live out your faith with passion. Be bold. And do something radical. And they could have refused and quit, but they didn't, did they? They lived with no excuses, and they lived with determination because you're living with conviction. Amen, church? And then lastly, I got four minutes. That four can turn into 40. But I know you got to go to Pernell Bread or whatever. You're going to have lunch today. Are you with me, church? So we're talking about partnership, yes? We're talking about doing this together. What does it look like? And here we see four guys giving to us this great example of what partnership should look like. We should have concern for others. We should, we should have this spirit of togetherness, cooperation for others. We should, we should live out our faith with deep conviction for others. And then lastly, follow along in your Bibles, verse 8 to the end of the context. You know the story. Jesus is going back and forth between the religious leaders. They accuse Jesus of blaspheming. I love what Jesus said. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Isn't that good? Because only God alone can forgive sins. You know how I became a Christian? 
I became a born-again believer, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because some fella from out east landed in Grand Rapids, become a preacher, and he stopped over at my door in Old Orchard's apartment with his 664 units, and he knocked at my door, and he introduced me to Jesus. And you know what he told me? That God died on the cross for your sins. Jesus did to forgive you of all your sins. That was the conscience deliverance that I needed to know. Because I was a wretched, rotten teenager heading right for hell. And these Pharisees, these guys, verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in their heart, in their spirit, in his spirit rather, this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And God, he's God, he knew it. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or get up, take your mat and walk? So which is easy? Which is easy, church, to say to the paralytic, the guy's crippled, he's incapacitated, he can't shake nothing, he can't move nothing. Uh, Which is easier to say to the guy? Your sins are forgiven or get up, take your mat and walk? Your sins are forgiven. Yes. He can't get up. He cannot get up, otherwise he would have. He needed the help of those four men. He needed partnership. He needed partnering. He needed men who are concerned and working together and living out their conviction. But he also needed men who wants to see change in life. Listen now. I close with this. Who are these guys? They're men who wants to see change in life. In a life by the Savior. These men, they want to see change. Church, do we want to see change? Then this is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Live your faith. Live with conviction. Work together. Have a great concern. Put it into practice. Do it. Do it. Do it. What happened? What happened? Let me tell you what happened. It's in the text. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and walk. Take your mat and go home. (laughs) Isn't that good? Take your mat and go home. Then he goes on. In the context, he says, the fella got up, took his mat, and walked in full view of them all. What a testimony of a transformed life. The house was full. The outside was full. I'm assuming they were, they were backing up to the road. People were out there listening. I, wonder, I often wonder what it was like to sit under the teaching of Jesus. I mean, such crowd. And what, what happened here is this guy get up. He, in full view of them all, the Bible says, he walked out. 
What a witness. What a testimony. How did that happen? What made that happen? Amen. Say that again. That will preach. Partnership. These four men lived with such convicting faith, with such great concern for the brokenhearted, that they're willing to do radical stuff to bring one man before God. Would we do it? Would we do it? I hope we do. Because Jesus wants us to do it. Make the sacrifice. Take the time. Do the radical stuff. Leave the result to Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you, God, that you did the radical stuff for us. We cannot comprehend, or our little minds cannot comprehend how an infinite God would take upon himself flesh and made his dwelling among us to love us with immeasurable love, to forgive us with immeasurable forgiveness, to have immeasurable compassion and grace and kindness to us, oh God. We, we don't understand it all, but we believe it. Thank you, Jesus. Help us as we plan on partnering together that our hearts will bleed for the brokenhearted, for those who are bruised and beaten and battered, that we would reach out. We would live a radical faith to bring people to you for your glory, for your honor. Help us, God. Help us, Jesus. We need help from heaven today. I pray in Jesus' name.